welcome to this, the 43rd episode in this second series of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Og McAnally, artistic director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I am a 21-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And this second series is brought to you thanks to the very generous support of the Arts Council of Ireland. Now, each week, we are able to bring you these conversations absolutely free of charge. We've promised that we won't ever charge for these podcasts, but we are looking for you to put your money where your mouth is and put your money into Irish theatre. The whole ethos behind this podcast is to support, promote and celebrate all that is great about Irish theatre. And what's the simplest way for you to go and do that? Go and buy yourself some tickets. There is a whole heap of theatre coming up in the coming weeks. We've got The Fringe about to start. We've got the theatre festival about to kick off after that. There's a whole heap of stuff going on. Get out there and support Irish theatre. That money's going directly into the industry and keeping the whole thing ticking over. But, you know, maybe tickets are outside your reach this week or this month. And if they are, maybe check out one of the crowdsourcing websites, the Indiegogos, the Fundit.ies. Donations there often start from as low as a fiver. There are always great rewards in return for that support too. So maybe check those out. But, of course, there are many ways you can support without even having to put your hand in your pocket. Go and tell people about this podcast whether that's in person over a coffee or a pint or by sharing the link as a Facebook post or retweeting the link on Twitter or talking about it on Snapchat or Instagram and a picture you're listening to it by a riverbank somewhere or whatever way you want to go about it. Just get the word out about the podcast. The bigger the profile and the bigger the platform we can give to the podcast, that means the bigger the profile and the bigger the platform we can give to the guests to get the word out about the great work that they are creating. Do please go and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. They are all the episodes are available uh, for streaming and for direct download at riseproductions.ie. They're also at Acast and Podbean and every other podcast uh, aggregator you might be using. Do go back and listen to the other episodes in this second series and indeed the episodes from series one. There's some absolute crackers back there from back in the day. If you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. And I say this every week, and I'm sure for many of you that are regular listeners, you go, oh yeah, I must do that someday, and you kind of just never get around to it maybe make this week the week that you then go and do it we're coming up to the end of this series so it might be no harm to get it in now for that final stretch get on log into itunes a quick review couple of lines is all we need it does a huge amount for us in terms of uh, search position and chart position and all that great stuff and even while you're there maybe just click to rate us on their five star rating system that is literally a one click deal it's as simple as you like that's not asking a whole heap. As ever, you can follow us on Facebook. We are facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland. Or you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Rise Ireland. And it's been another busy week at Rise Towers, because it always is a busy week at Rise Towers, uh, as has been announced kind of on this podcast a little while back when we spoke to Ruth. Uh, and indeed, online this week, I have signed up as a judge for the Fringe Festival. So I had my big meeting last night, Thursday night, to go through who's going to see what and get all the tickets in. And I now have my schedule planned out. There's a, a couple of shows that weren't included or that I didn't manage to get tickets to from that judge's allocation. So I'll be putting my hand on my pocket and buying a few more tickets to shows that I feel uh, I really should go and see or shows where I feel that my expertise might be useful and giving them a fair crack of the whip. And also, I'm going to try and push my boundaries a bit. I guess the spirit of Fringe 
is to take a bit of a risk. Go outside your comfort zone. Go and see an interpretive dance piece set site specific using verbatim whatever from wherever. Check, you know, check out the, the program for what it is. See if there are things out that you go, oh, I wouldn't normally go and see that, but let's go and see what it is. I've got a nice mix of shows to go and catch over the coming weeks. Some great theatre, some stand-up comedy, some dance, uh, some club nights, a whole range of stuff, and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck in. I'm going to treat it a little bit like a mini Next Stage program. I had such a great time on the Next Stage a few years back, and I feel that that's pretty much what I'm staring in the barrel of with this. Just the kind of luxury and the privilege to go and engage with a broad section of the work that's being made by a huge group of incredibly diverse artists I'm really excited about it I'm really looking forward to it I think it is going to be the crack uh, also this week I went to go and see Wicked at the board gosh I brought my little 8 year old to go and see it needless to say I wept through the entire show um, as you all know I'm a small bit of an Adina Menzel fan and I kind of treat it like there's still a homeopathic dose of Adina Menzel in that show I know she hasn't performed in it in like a decade or whatever but just that homeopathic dilution she is still there the essence of her is still there the spirit of her is still there so I wept through the entire show like a big girl what are you going to do um, but a great time uh, just a wonderful show great piece of theatre and the kind of work the Borgosh is such a spectacular place I really love the whole team there Stephen Fulun is doing such an amazing job in the programming the whole atmosphere there the way it's run it's a real like it's just theatre done right and you know we've been lucky enough to play there with Rise with the Christie show uh, it's just it's a super super spot I'm always delighted to go back there and I had a fantastic fantastic time at Wicked but also it hasn't all been fun and games and just seeing shows I've also been back in the rehearsal room with my director's hat on again because as you're about to hear uh, kicking all the boxes that I made with Liz Fitzgibbon is going down to Electric Picnic to play the picnic and is also playing a number of other festivals uh, as we close out the summer and so I guess we've been back in the rehearsal room and so I guess that brings us to our guest this week which is none other, than, none other than the great Liz Fitzgibbon. Liz and I go an awful long way back, as you'll hear from the chat, and she is just one of the best in the game. I love spending time with her. I love being on stage with her. I love directing her. I love watching her work her magic. She's just pretty much as good as it gets. So look, let's get straight into it. Here she is, the brilliant Liz Fitzgibbon. The wonderful Liz Fitzgibbon joining me on the podcast at long last. Hello, my friend. I feel like this is my like Desert Island Disc moment. This is exactly where we are. <laughs> um, let's go through your various titles. You are Lizzie Fitz to me. You are Wizabits Given to my children. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are a woman of many faces. Yeah, I'm, I think, well, Liddy Bell to a lot of people. Eno calls me Bell. A few people call me Lizbiz. Yeah. Um, what's Peter Daly call you? Slave. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Joseph Fritzel, I believe. He likes to call me Fritzel Cat. Yeah, yeah, little Fritzel. Yeah, it's all very normal. Yeah, yeah, I think that's po- fine. It's positive. Yeah, Lizzie, let's go back to the very beginning. <laughs> yes. Uh, growing up on the mean streets of y'all in the hood. In the hood. Yeah. Uh, when did you first say to yourself, "Do you know what I'd love to do? I would love to go into a career that might one day bring me into contact with Angus McAnally." <laughs> oh. Um, well, my mom says that I said it to her when I was four that I wanted to be an actor. I think I was probably doing something in the musical society, um, just probably falling around the stage. And then, yeah, I said it really young that I wanted to be an actor and it was kind of just a given that that's what I was going to do the whole way up. It was like totally encouraged the whole way through school. All my teachers knew it. It was just what I was going to do. And everyone was cool with it? Everyone was cool with it. Yeah. Like my parents are cool. I have two older brothers. They could do the proper jobs. And then I could be the black sheep or the artistic wing, as they like to say. 
and uh, yeah, my teacher. I went to a really great school. I went to a Gaelic school to my primary, and then my secondary school. I went to Middleton College, and it was quite liberal, like arty kind of cool school. And they were yeah, they encouraged me the whole way. And actually, my principal said to my mum, I think I was in fifth or sixth year, that I was the luckiest girl in my year because, or the luckiest person in my year because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Hang on, explain to me then when Ring comes in. Is that that's so just Ring, a one year deal? Yeah, you go to Ring for a year. Um, for those listening who may not know what <laughs> Ring is, yeah, so Ring College is is um it's a Wales called uh, in Arena. It's in it's just outside Dungarvan in Waterford, and you go for a year. It's a year. It's like going to the Wales School, but for a year. And you go for most people go for sixth class, and you make your confirmation there. You can go for fifth class mm-hmm. if you're too young, and they do seventh class if you're also too young to go into first year. Sure. And it's like the best crack ever because it's just hanging out with a load of people mostly dubs actually load of dubs and just being away from and going doing loads of bold things for a year when you're really young you wouldn't do a bold thing would me? you? me? never angel angel that's what I've always <laughs> described you as okay so you're yeah so principal's then saying congratulations yeah. you're lucky you know yeah. what you want Um did you get any advice or career guidance from any leading lights within the industry at any point that would help you along your way? funny you should mention that Um I'd say I was maybe I don't know, was I fourth, fifth year maybe? I knew I knew what I wanted to do, but was kind of wondering how I would go about doing it. And through a connection with my parents, I can't I can't remember exactly. Um uh I met with one of Ireland's leading um up and coming maybe actors, you would say. Very attractive actor. I would say, <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm moving on. And um so uh plough was a plough? Plowing no, the stars? it was one of the second age ones, I think. I thought it was Plowing the Stars. Was it? No, that was when I was in London. Okay, so the, there was a show on in The Everyman, and I went to meet one of the leading actors in it called Angus Oak McAnally. Bam! And he gave me advice on um, how to go about becoming a professional actor. Uh, told me that I used to train and all that jazz, and... Yeah, so that's the first time. I'm personally responsible. Yeah, um, your fault. Whoever trusted me with teenage girls was <laughs> clearly very naive. So I didn't take any of your advice. Dead right. No, um, but you went to London. I went to London. I start. I decided to go to Goldsmiths, which is an arts university in southeast London, um, and I started a degree in drama. Uh, straight out of school but I thought it was going to be more practical yeah. I was, it was kind of sold to me that it was more practical and then when I got there I realised okay, it's actually not it's really academic and reading books what the fuck is yeah, this bullshit yeah and plays and like who are these people I don't know jazz hands come on but uh, and like all all the other students had done drama for their A-levels oh, so like yeah, they yeah, yeah. were really like knew what they were talking about and I was like ah here I just want to act yeah. so I absolutely adored London I was 18 living in London like it was class but I knew I wasn't being trained as an actor so I, uh, I auditioned for the Gaiety and got in and decided to come back but while I was there yes I met up with you as well didn't you I? did indeed yeah. I, we, were, that was when we were doing Cloud you were in the Barbican? in the Barbican yes okay uh, yeah, yeah. doing the centenary of the Abbey in 2004 and we toured in 2005 because well done the Abbey um, yeah. uh, and we hooked up then yeah and no, we didn't hook up Ingo. We no so we met like, up Jesus. yeah that's, right. that's what I meant by that <laughs> this is totally above board it's great um, and then and so you came back after one year was it no yeah after one year yeah yeah okay. uh, one year um, yeah got into the 80s so started in the 80s then uh, yeah now who was in your gang in the game <laughs> in my year well yeah oh, I, okay. in specifically your year but also extended gang okay so my 
my best friend from my class would happen to be uh, someone called Ian Lloyd Anderson. Who is a douche? He's an absolute... No, he's a hero. That's right. And uh, so, yeah, I had a good year. There's a good few of us working. Lorna Quinn, Keenan Dunn, Eno and myself. Then the year above me, it's two messers called Sarah Green and <laughs> Michael Sheen, who we were good pals with. And the year below me, fucking terrible actors called uh, Charlie Murphy and Rebecca Grimes. <laughs> it's not a bad little... Uh, yeah. Time. Like, it was a kind of a special time there, it seems. Yeah, it was. Like... It, it was yeah it was good and it, everyone was coming out and getting good jobs and mm. working and yeah I mean I, pro- I actually wasn't like became really good friends with Rebecca and Charlie after um, but I would have been good friends with Sarah and Mike and Eno and stuff during our time and it was we were messers like we were proper messers like so bold like so bold just yeah like really mess but we had like the best time but we were really bold like yeah how did the training feel coming off the back of that really academic stuff over in London? Mm. Did it feel good to go? Ah, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, it was, like it was kind. Of, it's intense as well, though. You know, like because you go from being in university where you're like I have lectures here and there, and then I'm going, you know, out and this. But then drama school is intense. Like you're there eight to six or whatever. You can't be late, and you got to be on time and really physical. But I, I loved it. I found it challenging, but I really loved it. And you become like this tight little unit, and um. Yeah, I learned. I learned loads, but I was ready when I was. By the time it was coming to an end, I was like really ready to get out and working. That happens. I I, yeah. I, I love talking to people that I think it's useful to be wrapped in cotton yeah. wool for the two yeah. or the three years yeah. that you're there, and you know it's you, you know a bit of a glass house and you protect mm. them and else. But you do get to that point as you're coming up to the end, going just let me let me fuck out, let me go and do it, let me go and do it. You know, and because it gets intense towards the end, because like you're all you know, there's all the competition. Who's going to get signed? And you're getting it's like mutiny almost you know you don't want to turn on each other but like there is yeah. a bit of that you're like okay just let me out now and let me do my thing and luckily I, I started working straight away did you come out in 2008 2009 uh, uh, 2007 is it as early as that I think oh yeah maybe because um, that's yeah. like, it, that's the tail end of the old regime of you walk out of drama school, the phone rings, you go straight exactly. into loads of jobs. Manifesto wasn't there or yeah. all that thing. We didn't have that. So it was literally like, and there was all the, like, loose cannons and all the, and um, Gallo Glass. And, like, we were touring, like, nonstop, yeah. just all over the country in different shows, having great crack. And it was job to job to job. Yeah. And there was no kind of talk of making your own work. That wasn't even a question. Yeah. It never even entered my mind. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Cause, yeah. Because... You know, we were lucky enough that there was that last year. I put me in the same age bracket as you. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm very yeah, proud of that. Yeah, go on, go um, on, yeah. But Chancer. that, you know, coming out in that at that time, you just go, okay, let's just go and work. Yeah. Uh, that the thing of actually, like, the, before the recession hit, essentially. Totally. Like, the recession hit, like, two years after I graduated from Grounds. And I, I was actually in Australia. I went to traveling for a year. Yeah. And I came back and it was like, oh my God, it was a totally different place to come back to. And come back from Australia where there was no sign of any recession. Yeah. And I, I'd left, I'd done my first gig in the Abbey and Playboy, um, Roddy's Playboy. Yeah. Which was like the best crack ever. Like it was unbelievable for my first job in the Abbey. And I think it was 22. And I said like, I, I always knew I wanted to go traveling. Uh, I love traveling and I just thought, and some people are going, oh, you're mad. What are you doing? You can't, you've just done your first gig in the Abbey. You can't go. But I was like, I have to do it. If I don't do okay. it, I ne- I, I'll never do it. And um, we went and like had, came back to a, such a different place, like such a different place. It was kind of frightening. I was lucky because I actually, I came back a bit early. I think I was 10 months away because I got Christ deliver us in the Abbey. Yeah. So I got offered that. So I was, I came back and I was able to go 
back into the Abbey, which is great. And was there something about getting out just ahead of the crash that let you get a foothold in the business? There was enough opportunity around to go, yeah. oh, that's Liz Fitz. Yeah. She, she's working. She's been around. Yeah, maybe, you know, because I did, like, I did a stint on Fair City. So I'd got a bit of TV work in, got Abbey. I'd done a good few tours with different companies. Yeah. I'd worked with some good, like, really great directors. And I suppose got my name out there a bit. Because when it hit, it was when yeah, it was it's kind of terrifying. Some of the, you know yeah. the great theater companies that I'd worked for and so enjoyed just gone, just disappeared. Like yeah. you know, it was weird, 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 weird. Yeah, it was a strange old yeah, time. Very strange. Um, but thankfully things kept on going well for you. You were still working away and making magic happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to me about some of those happy shows. Yeah, God, I've like I've got to work on some amazing things, and mostly it's amazing people. You know, I've some like couple of like. I'd say one of the most amazing shows I've ever, the best crack I've ever worked on is the Colleen Bowen. Um, no, right, let's, <laughs> let's talk about who was on that with, because that was a big tour as well. That, went that was for like a while, five months or something. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, um, with some good heads. Yeah. So there was myself, uh, Enoid Anderson, Charlie Murphy, Karen Ardiff, uh, Michael Glenn Murphy, Will Irvine and Karen Taylor. Yeah. Holy shit balls. Yeah. That's a good gang. It was like, we were just a family. With Jimmy Faye directing? Jimmy directed it, yeah. And it was like Jimmy, Project and Civic together. Okay. And because that's what they started doing. They started putting, you know, companies together mm. to try and get funny together. And then we did a massive tour. So we're down in Cork and they all stayed with my family. And Let's do a quick plug for oh, Hearns yeah, while yeah, we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearns and y'all, yeah. Absolutely the best food anywhere it's in the South Stroke Southeast. We're Southeast, we're Southeast. Technically yeah, Southeast. Yeah, it's only Southeast. Coast, I think, yeah, is that where I'm um, I, I have had the pleasure of eating in a Hearns. Yeah. Holy shit. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, my family's restaurant and hotel, it's it's stunning. Yeah, they're amazing. And I've been so lucky that when I'm on tour, I get to bring people there. And I think my mum, so my mum, they stayed with us. And then my mum, we were eating one day before the show and she literally just got one of everything on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> and the lads are like, oh my God. But yeah, so... Yeah, for the, for the people who plug West Cork, never mind West Cork, no, East Cork is East where it's Cork at. East Cork is where it's at. It's beautiful. Um, so that was like, you know, an amazing time. And like, that was the start of my friendship with Charlie and the start of my friendship with Karen and Murph, who were like, basically are like family to me now. I think I've worked five shows with Murph and four with Karen and right. they call me their daughter. Like I live in their house and when I'm, you know, when I'm in between houses and stuff or whatever, like that was, that was really, really special, you know. How important are those relationships for kind of your sanity in the business because whatever about having yeah. mates who you trained with or who yeah. all your own age there there does seem to be the scope within our business mm. that you know for people who are six years older than you or ten yeah. years older than you or ten years younger yeah. than you that you get these really close bonds with yeah. through working together you do. i think it's because it's like it's such a roller coaster you know and it's so nice to just turn to someone and say like i'm freaking out and they're like yeah that's fine they said we freak out still you know and if they're older or younger you know it's it's the same thing people have go through the same motions and the same ups and downs and it's just really nice to have someone there for you that you can turn to and you can say and they know because it's hard to like i have a really big group of friends from home that i still hang around with that aren't in the business yeah. nothing to do with the business it's really important to me to keep my friends and my family like to keep that going and strong but it is sometimes hard to explain what's going on you know and the mo- emotions you're going through and everything yeah. and to it's great to have mentors like Karen and Murph and like people like Marion O'Dwyer who've been so good to me who I can go to and they're like we've been through it all yeah. we're still going through some of it and it's going to be fine you know and I think I think it was Marion who said to me 
you'll know if you can stay in this business in the down times, not in the great times. Yeah. Yeah, you'll know if you can survive this, if you can keep, you know, your head and stuff when it's not going great. I think the one thing I've come to learn the longer I'm around Mm. is that I do think in terms of being a professional actor, it's not about really what you do on stage. It's about what you do when you're not on stage. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's a massive part of it. Actually. That's the graft, and yeah. that's the work part of it. Yeah. Michael Caine's famous line: "You know, you know, hanging around on film sets, like they pay me for the hanging around, the acting yeah. I do for free." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of a, not a bad line on yeah. the business. Yeah, and like also how you are, you know, it's like mean, the work is obviously really important, but who you are in your life is really important outside it yeah. as well. And you know, I don't, I, I never want to get obsessed with the work because you lose sense of you, you know, because yeah. you're playing different characters all the time. So if you're obsessed with the work, you forget you and what you're yeah. about and things are important to you. And that's, that's really important. That's why, you know, I try to go home and see all my friends and stuff like that, but equally have like really close relationships within this industry as well. People I can turn to yeah. always, you know, but it's that thing of like, if you want to have your own artistic voice, mm. you need to know who you are yeah. and for, like for what yeah. that voice is. Yeah. And not get lost in the world and <clears throat> you know there's some parts of it that I'm not great at like the the networking and things like that it's just <laughs> I'm not I don't I I just I, I get like icky about it you know yeah um but some people are great at it and like I think and for people who know you that might be a weird thing to hear because you are as personable and as sociable yeah. and as outgoing as you are yeah. the idea that the kind of the networking end of thing is a challenge for you. Is are there specific elements that are hard or I think it's more like it's I mean, I'm it's the network thing when it's like, you know, a big opening night and everyone is like looking over their shoulder to see who's behind. Who's more them. important yeah, than you were. Yeah, that kind of thing. I'm like, oh no, I can't be dealing with that at yeah. all, you know. But I love being out with like all my friends who are actors and just mm. chatting and having the crack and socializing. But it's when you feel the pressure of like, does this person want to talk to me or, mm. you know, is this like yeah those kind of things but it's not that I don't like being out because I obviously do but yeah you know, my my big one is who you're on hugging terms with and who you're on handshake terms with because in general I'm kind of okay with that but the problem is if you're with someone and they're on hugging terms with someone but you're not and they go in for the hug first that weird hand to you, hug what, shake what do you do then it's like you're, you hit the hand and then your hand goes over yeah. their shoulder and... I've, that, that's the struggle for me yeah, this is why you can't spend time with Ian because Ian hugs everybody <laughs> And you're going, do I? Okay. It might be easier just to hug everyone. I Well, i got some restraining orders. Over that, so <laughs> I need to be careful with that shit. Um, what do you like about acting? As in the process of actually doing the job. Like some people have said to me over the years, um, if it could just be the rehearsal I know, room, yeah. I'd be happy. Um, other people love the fact that one week you're filming on a movie in mm. South Africa, the next week you're doing a radio play in RTE. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, like variety is obviously amazing. It's not monotonous. Like it doesn't get boring going from job to job. I mean, it's unstable and everything, but it's definitely not boring. I do love creating. Like I love the magic of that. You know, when you're in the rehearse room and something happens and you're just like, ooh, and you're all buzzing, you know, like making characters and stuff. Because like, you know yourself <laughs> Sometimes when you're going on stage, you're like, why do I do this to myself? Like, I'm absolutely petrified. Then when you're on, you're like, yeah, because this is like nothing else in the world. Yeah. And sometimes I forget that, you know, and then when I'm in it, like, or if I'm back in the rehearsal room, like say us being back working on this and um, 
I just I get a buzz again I'm like oh yeah that's why I do it because it's just it's it's just part of me like it is just part of me mm. uh, do you have a process do you like is there a set approach that you have I mean do you go and read eight history books about whatever time you're working on or do you need to find the character physically or is it about how they look or no it's don't I don't tend to do a whole load of research and uh, well like for something like inside the GPO I was playing a real character which is actually one of the other shows that I was probably one of the most magical things yeah. I've ever worked on with the people and just the setting like where we did it it was just at we did it on the centenary of the 1916 rising in the GPO bombs going off like with some of the people I love most in the world um yeah, yeah that was really special but so yeah I played a character called Min Ryan so I, I did research on Min and stuff and well I was given research by Colin Murphy and things but um generally like I do a lot of character work so I love to find the character in the room mm-hmm. physically I love physical work um and not yeah I wouldn't worry about how the character looks so much but the physicality is always really big for me and I and I love um devising and um, and on the floor kind of work and getting into the body of it okay. I really love that yeah and so in terms of that is that about just finding accessing a kind of physicality that starts to reveal the character mm. or what does that feel like for you when you know it's starting to click um I don't know like it's I've always just loved working that way um obviously like adding um appearance stuff helps you know depending on the character work. I've, I've just done so many different styles of characters yeah um that I love to just find it myself and I love accents as well so I love changing my own accent or using a different accent actually I've most of the shows loads of shows I've done I haven't used my own accent yeah um so I love finding it that way physically um through the voice um yeah if that makes sense so in the immortal words of Judge Judy and then there came a time when you got to play in Major Barbara at the Abbey oh yeah that uh, how did you enjoy that process that was really good fun was it a challenge to your acting skills to play someone who was in love with me um yes <laughs> it was more challenge to play someone so refined actually <laughs> and that's when the clothes really helped because they made me the most amazing costumes and you i did was, have the greatest oh, costumes in the world God, on that show they were so beautiful and the corsets were so tight that i was like okay just gotta stand up really straight and just walk really slowly but um yeah that was that was great crack because it was like it come full circuit like i'd met you when i was like i don't know maybe 16 yeah. 17 and then 10 years later, I was playing your fiancé in the Abbey. So I remember actually meeting your mum on the opening night and she kind of said that to me. She was like, who'd have thought we'd have been here, you yeah. know? Um, it was definitely a challenge, though. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But uh, it was great cracks. We, like, you know, I got, became very close friends with Claire Dawn and, um, yeah, and I moved to too. London straight after it. Oh, you did? Mm. Like a nerd. <laughs> um, so for someone who likes being up on your feet, devising and physical yeah. stuff, when you then go and apply yourself to something like a shawl like that, yeah, does that is that like a, a welcome breath of fresh air? Yeah. Is it constricting? Is it? I mean, it is a little bit constricting, literally. And like, <laughs> In the because, I remember I was like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, open it up. But um, it's a different thing, and it's a nice new challenge, you know. And I like to, you know, play refined as well. Like it's nice. I'm always playing rough and tough, but. Um, it was it was a different it was a totally different beast. Um, 
and but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Challenge. It was good old crack. It was good old crack. Um, so talk to me then about the kind of collaborations you enjoy, whether that's uh, with a scene partner on stage with you, or whether it's a director that you've worked with a couple of times. What? When is the magic happening for you? When do you know, going, oh, okay, right, we're firing on something here? When do you know the magic is happening? Um, like, I suppose, ugh, something like Toria that I worked on with Michael Murphy. Um, it was, uh, it, it was Fabine, written by Philip Darty and directed by Michael Murphy for Fabine, so it was an Irish language show. And, like, that was mental. But it was amazing because we were playing all these characters and we played eight. I think I played eight, including a, a one I joined from Cabin. But like we found all of those characters like we came with the script and we did workshops and stuff. But then we came to the script and we we literally divide like on the floor. We found those characters, divide them up and it was like magic happening, you know, and it's a mile a minute that show that's the kind of show that I absolutely adore you don't have a second to think yeah. like I I had like I think I have a 10 second change kind of half in the wings kind of half on stage where people are pulling the head off me and legs off me and putting me in something else and I run back on as something else that to me is like magic like that's I mean Michael's incredible anyway so like when you work with Michael magic to me just happens naturally but yeah, th- those kind of times where you're in the room and you're buzzing off each other, like, and you just have to trust that the other person is running on stage. And like, we had to move all our costumes like for each other. Like, I'm gonna have your mask over here, and you have my mask over there, and just trust, trust, trust that it's there. And there's no time for doubt, no time for worry. It's there. You're on. Boom, boom, on stage. Go. Like, that's. That's rock and roll, like that's class. That is <laughs> uh, I get the sense that you enjoy working in that kind of an ensemble, like having a gang. Yes, yeah, I love ensemble work. Love, yeah. I love the gang on and off stage, obviously. But I love the buzz in a room, like in the rehearsal room when you're making stuff and you try something and it fails. Brilliant. That was a great idea. We're not going to use it, but it was great crack to watch you do that thing that you just did. Um, yeah, and I like I'm I I'm a people person. I think I love I love being around people and. Like like inside the GPO, that was such amazing ensemble work because we started as a core, I think of uh, eight, maybe eight or nine of us. And mm-hmm. then they added in, again, the same amount of um, Gaiety students uh, from the full-time course. And it was really weird because we they came in maybe like the second week rehearsal or something and we were thinking, oh God, how is this going to work? They lifted the whole thing. Yeah. They made it magical. They made it more special that's like amazing to me ensemble work you know that these these um like younger aspiring actors who are still training come in and they make the whole piece so much better and yeah. we're, you know we're all long at it and professional and thinking we know what we're doing and they add like sparks all over the place love that well imagine the energy if someone came to you yeah. a few months before graduation yeah. said listen we're gonna put yeah. you we're gonna put your work at four fish ensemble yeah. in the gpo at the at the centenary of the east horizon I mean, you'd be up for it. You'd be definitely up for it. But, like, they weren't pushy or, you know, like, getting in the way or trying to upstage anyone. They just, they just made it better. And that, that was like a, 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 you know, a special, really special time. They all call me Auntie Liz as well, which is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, they still do call me Auntie Liz. Um, So, for someone who enjoys working in that ensemble Mm. and having to crack so Mm. much, 
And for someone who didn't come through the gaiety when there was a time of manifesto and generating yeah. your own work, what in the name of holy Jesus possessed you to want to make a solo show that you would write yourself? I didn't want to make a solo show that I would write myself. I was persuaded. <laughs> like, it, it's it's funny. I, I never... I always said, oh, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. But then um, I think it was um, Fanula Gigak's little hero. Uh, she's she's just really inspiring, actually. Um, she said to me, like, would you not think of writing your own show? And I was going, oh, I don't know, because we worked together in Toriath. And so we were devising and like she can see the way I work. I think and then Gavin Costick said to me, you know, would you not think about doing your own show? And I was going, oh, I don't know. And then Michael Murphy said, like, I think there is a show in you. So I was going, that's a lot of really cool yeah, people I giving know, you a vote of confidence know, is what that and is. And I was going, no, but I'm not a writer. And they were going, you don't have to be a writer. You can devise it. You can do it. And I thought, oh man, I'm so competitive then. Like I'm unbelievably competitive. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do this now. All right. Okay. Yeah. And if I get it, then I'm going to have to do it. So apply for show in a bag. And I swear when I got that email, I went, oh, fuck it. <laughs> I, went, I have to do this now. And it has to be like, all right, you yeah. know? So I was like the most petrified I've ever been in my life. But Michael mentored me the whole way through. He pulled, like I wrote it, but Michael pulled it out of me. Mm. Like I would, so like I wrote it, yeah, and about kickboxing. Oh, well, like kickboxing is an element to it, but. um. Now for the sake of those listening at home who yeah. may not have seen the show or may not okay. know about it. Yeah. Do you have a kickboxing pedigree and background? So I was a competitive kickboxer during my teens. Yes. Yeah. And I like I won the Irish Open when I was, I think fourteen. So that gave me like a European title or whatever. Sorry, I give you what? No, no, no. Anyway, moving on. So I uh, just, European title. Well, like technically European title, but like it's not like. It's a European title, okay? It's not right. Take it for what it is. All right, okay, Grant. Right, European so champion kickboxer. Okay, what? So, I don't know about that. So then I fought. I fought competitively until actually a couple of weeks before I finished drama school. Right. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to stop fighting for a while. Stop getting kicked in the face. And also my coach was in Cork and I was really loyal to him and I didn't want to train under anyone else. So I stopped and then I stopped for a long time and found it really hard to get back into it. But when people were saying to me, would you write? What could you write about? I was like, maybe kickboxing because, you know, it's a bit different, I suppose. So then, uh, and I'd always wanted to get back to it, but I was trying to find a way back to it. So then it was brilliant because like now I'm back sparring, I'm back fighting and I'm so happy to be back at it. But um, so, so yeah, when, it, so we, when, so when I play for Shona Bag, I, I use the premise of kickboxing. So then I had to do the bloody thing. And um, yeah, Michael, I would just write, I, like I've always written little things, but not like full blown stories. So I write little things then to Michael and he'd be like, yeah, that's good. You know, pull this out, pull that out, expand on this more. And then. I went over to London and spent like a week with him and we sat across the table and we were just like buzzing off each other because we we work like he's a mentor and a friend. We work really well. And Can he, you put your finger on why he fits your wavelength in terms of giving you the right amount of encouragement um, um, and the balance between the stick and the carrot and getting the good stuff out of you? I think because we have a we're both kind of love the character kind of physical side of working. Yeah. And when we work together, he he gets I think he just gets the way I perform and stuff and I guess he he believes in me I suppose and he encourages me and yeah we we just have this buzzy energy between us and I'll go oh that and he'll go oh, yeah what about that and I'll go oh, what about this and he'll go oh yeah that and we'd like we'd literally be jumping off the table going oh my god and then we could do this and then we could do that and then you know didn't use half of that stuff mm. but like you know he 
yeah, he gets me that way. But also the the luxury of having one of the very best on the planet. I think in he's, your yeah. corner. Oh, like I'm so lucky. Like I, he definitely. I think he's the greatest performer and creator in this country. Yeah. Like he's like just incredible, but just also an amazing, <laughs> deadly sound person yeah. at at the same time. Um, and like who's also not who who could also kind of shies away from the limelight a bit and things like that so I think he sees that side of me as well yeah um uh <laughs> and he loves cheekiness and he loves my bowel side you know that way <laughs> like he loves with that like so um so that process in London must have been amazing it was yeah it was amazing and I came away with a lot of good work and then I was like okay I need someone to direct this who the hell am I going to get to direct this and uh so I thought, who like knows about fighting that I'm not going to have to explain what a punch and a jab and, you know, hook is and all this to because that'll just take too long. And who do I get on well with? And who sound? And who will encourage me? And who's always encouraged me? And, and none of those people were available. <laughs> <laughs> Lightful moment. Ingus, oh, whack and alley. So, so yeah. So then I came to you and you, you directed me in the show. And, um, yeah. It went down well. It certainly did. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you a bit about the fight element of your life. Yeah. Uh, not specifically the show. Mm. Because the thing that I learned from throwing myself into boxing, having never boxed in my life, mm. was how similar what they do yeah. is to what we yeah. do. The idea of all that intensive preparation yeah. where you have to go out and perform at a set time, yeah. a set day, and like, you know, it's it's all or nothing. Either goes or it doesn't. Yeah. You feel sick beforehand. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you see the parallels between oh, the two disciplines? Massively. Massively, because, like, you have your coach is, like, your director. Yeah. Like, you know, he's telling things, you're taking it on. Obviously, your director's not shouting at you when you're live on stage, but, you know, when you come off, they do or whatever. But it's the same. It's the exact same adrenaline. Like, you prepare, you prepare, you prepare. You can be as fit as you want to there, and then you're on, and you're, like, just before you go on, you're like, I'm going to be sick. Then you get on, you're like buzz the adrenaline goes through you you know and you're thinking on your feet obviously with kickboxing you have someone coming at you trying to kick and punch you so you're trying to think with those but with theater it's live things go wrong you think on your feet as well so so many and and you're kind of in your own zone you know you're 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 like the only one who can save you in that moment and it's the same in both, you know, when you're fighting and when you're on stage, like you're the only one who can get you through this, you know, and you have to. And it's, yeah. And, and it's it's actually the only time my brain, when I'm, when I'm fighting or when I'm on stage, my brain switches off from everything else. Yeah. Just into that moment. There is that thing they talk about in Fight Club. The movie, yeah. Of like, you know, that you don't really know yourself until you've put yourself in that absolute yeah. fight or flight situation. Yeah. Like test you, like. This is we're getting back to primal human stuff yeah. now of the animalistic end of it, like yeah. going out there. Do you think you learn a lot about yourself in a fight situation? Yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> for better or for worse. For better or for worse. Like, oh, I really don't like getting punched in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> These so, are important life yeah, lessons. Yeah, yeah, but like, you, I guess you learn if you know how much you attack things. You know, or you go for things if you back down, like. I'd be definitely probably more on, on the attack side rather than the defensive side. I'd yeah. go for it and, you know, hope I get the first hit rather than yeah. they would, you know. Um, I suppose, like, I suppose it's parallel to that in acting, but, like, I would, I'd be, I'm not aggressive, but, like, I'd I'd fight for it, you know. Yeah. I do, like, I do want to, to do this, like, you know. I guess you have to fight to be an actor. 
it ain't bloody easy. No, it's not. I mean, I think the the big thing that I learned because I would have a tendency to be quite lazy at times if I'm left to my own devices. Yeah. And that thing of train hard, fight easy. Mm. If you put yourself through much more in a training camp than you'll ever have yeah. to face in the ring. Yeah. Similarly, if you are so prepared. Yeah. Going into rehearsals and through the rehearsal process, yeah. and that if you work your ass off, and yeah. you can then, on a, when open a night comes around, for all the terror and the nerves, you can go. There is no I more I could have done yeah. here. I know I have practiced yeah. every eventuality, and I've trained myself to the point where I am open to any other eventuality yeah. that I can't have conceived. That you can walk out there and carry yourself in a certain way that goes, I'm, 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 ready I'm for up this. for this. I'm ready, I'm ready for, for this. Yeah, that's why I love rehearsals because you just put like if you put your all into it, you know everything you got. Then, like you said, okay, whatever happens, I'm kind of ready for it. And things will happen. Things will go wrong. But you can hold your own. That's kind of magic. I love that. <laughs> How do you feel now referring to yourself as a writer? Do you refer to yourself as a writer yet? <laughs> I still find it weird. But, yeah, I do because now... I wrote my own show. So, like, that's it. That's it. I wrote my own show. And then RT commissioned it to make it into a radio play and that for me was a huge like tap on the back and that was like okay the writing is good because it's a radio play they can't see me fighting and stuff so I was like how is this gonna work but they believed in the script that it would work there's enough in the world yeah yeah so that for me was that that was like okay maybe I am a writer you know it's one of the things that obviously I know you as long as I know you it is one of the things that impressed me that it was as this is going to sound really patronising, Jesus. No, but that it, that it was as sophisticated and as polished as it was. Yeah, that, very sophisticated. I know, I've always said that about you, Liz. Um, but there, there's a quality to the writing that you go, shit, this is considered, this is, and it is, I guess, quite muscular writing as yeah. well. Um, but like you say, when you strip away the bells and whistles of, hey, it's a girl doing kickboxing yeah. as kind of the gimmick of yeah, the show. Yeah. If you strip it back and it's just the words, that, yeah. that can have a life on radio. That's a real testament to the, the calibre of the writing. Yeah. That's got to be a confidence boost. It is. It was. I like. I think when RT came to me and said, "Yeah, we'd like this. We'd like," to, and they said we'd like to premiere, to open our new season with this. I was like, "Are you sure?" Have <laughs> <laughs> uh, you seen it? He definitely came and said, "You did." And they're like, "Yeah." Um, that was massive for me. That was real because, like, I know I can get up there and perform and do it, but like the words are coming out of my head, so I don't know if they're any good. You know that way. So when someone goes, "Actually, no, the words work." Yeah. I was like, all right, okay. So, and now that we've come back to it, because we're doing yeah. a bit, a bit of a summer festival tour at the yeah. moment with the plans down the road for a further life, which we're yes. not allowed to talk we're about yet. Talk about <laughs> um, having had that distance to then come back, yeah, it's not often you get to do that with a show. No, how and particularly a show that you've generated yourself from yeah. inside you. Is it weird coming back to it after that kind of a gap? It was, it was daunting coming back to it, but like getting in the room, I found a new love for it. Yeah. And I think actually after doing it last year in Fringe, you're so terrified and it takes so much out of you and it's so new that I had to kind of step back from it, mm. from performing it. I went, okay, I want to put it to the side. And then, you know, I worked on other shows, other people's shows for a while because it's it's less pressure. Yeah. Like it's much less pressure. But then when you do go back into it, you're like, oh man, I did this like, and I'm doing this. And then obviously we're finding new things and new bits. It's like, yes, okay, this, this is great. Like I've, I'm buzzing off at doing it again. It is an onerous task, the idea that you have to write and produce and star yeah. in your own show. Yeah. Um, it's, ter- it's absolutely... That's a lot of work. It's just terrifying. Yeah. 
Like for me, I'd never, I like, you know, you're always in other people's shows and people can say, ah, oh, yeah, it was great, but the writing wasn't great from the writing or whatever. And, but that, like, it's all on you. It's so nerve wracking, so terrifying, but like so rewarding at the same time. And it was a challenge. And I, like I said, even I, I said, if I never write again, I've done this. I gave myself this challenge. Like I said, I'm a little bit competitive. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do this and I can say I've done it. Um, now I'm, I'm performing a lecture picnic tomorrow and I'm absolutely terrified but like <laughs> hopefully it'll be great crack I have my roadies down there Kieran O'Brien oh. total faith <laughs> um, do you feel that the writing end of things is a little more exposing like that, like you say if you're up there just performing mm. yeah sure it's you up there but you can defend it go at someone yeah. else's words or whatever else oh, yeah. but if you have like you said if you've taken these words out of your head yeah. massively and also like the story isn't about me but there's elements of me loads of elements of me in there but it's you know she's a fictional character but obviously you write what you know so there's so many pieces in there and you're going oh god i've just revealed that you know and also then i've exaggerated pieces that aren't me and you're thinking oh god i hope they don't think that's me you know (laughs) stuff like that but it's it's massively exposing but i think you just sometimes have to be brave and do something like that and go okay here you go this is a bit raw one of the themes of the show is that idea of you know what have you got to show for yourself yeah yeah um do you think particularly in this game and particularly for women in this game that's a big issue i think it's a big issue all the time um not necessarily in this game actually because in this game it's not so linear like as in you know as in other jobs where you're like you're expected to climb, climb the ladder, the ladder yeah, and get married and have kids and things like that. I think that's a lot of pressure on people. And, you know, I have friends who feel that pressure. I have friends who've done it. And it's that thing of like having something to show for yourself, like property or, you know, those kind of things. I'm just kind of fascinated by that because I have friends who are much older. My friends who are much younger and we're all at different levels. Some are ahead, some are, you know... It's it's it just it fascinates me how people are obsessed with like, oh this is what I've done. Here's the list of all the things I've done and all yeah. my achievements and you know I'm doing the things I should be doing at this age, aren't I? Aren't I? Yeah, mm. and that never goes away. And I think I was chatting to Michael about this and he was like, that doesn't go away at forty. That doesn't go away at fifty. Like you know it doesn't go away for people. That thing of what do you have to show for yourself right now. It's like why bloody hell do I have to have anything to show for myself? And yeah. um, I suppose the play looks at like there's a character in the play who, you know, is very down and out or would seem to be very down and out um, and, and homeless or whatever, but it's actually really content. Yeah. You know, and it's other people thinking, oh God, you must be, you know, it's terrible where your life's at and she's going, actually, no, like, I'm all right. Kind of okay. Yeah. Is there something in the idea, like you said, that, that linear ladder mm. that because in our business you can get the, the equivalent of the lotto ticket at, 42 yeah, yeah. when you know yeah. a movie comes to town yeah. it's the next Braveheart yeah. and you can buy a house out of it and become a household name and go on and have this like there can be a huge springboard in your career yeah. almost at any stage yeah but it can go backwards as well that's the thing like oh, yeah. you could be a star and then it, you know fall away for you yeah. you know which in other careers like if you get to that level you know manager or you know CEO or whatever you, you kind of get to the top and you've done it Whereas it's a yo-yo. You can go really up and like, oh God, I haven't seen him in a while or really yeah. down or... Like, I've always just wanted to be able to be consistent, like to be able to do this mm. as my job, happy out. Not about fame. Definitely not about fortune anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
just to be able to do it, you know, and, yeah. and be content content and happy with that because it, it's such a yo-yo. It can go up and mm. down. You can be like a hot ticket. And like even things like, you know, we do like voiceovers. Yeah. You can be like on a roll of amazing voiceovers and you have nothing for months. And you're like, what did I do? I just didn't do anything. It's just the way it goes, you know. For someone who is as competitive as you are yeah. in an industry that can have jealousies yeah. and stuff do you have to fight hard to not go oh well I'm look. she's after getting cast in this or she's after getting cast in that or do you ha- can you maintain a kind of element of just being philosophical about it going no do you know what I'm making the work that I want to make and yeah. I'm on my own track I mean there's a bit of both I'd be lying if yeah, I we're said all human. yeah like you, you'd be lying if you said like you aren't you know when someone gets a part over you're like how come they got it and I didn't get it you know I'm or, deadly I'm really good and I really should have got that you know like it's really hard not to compare yourself but I've like I was always told from day one, try not to do it. Yeah. It could come down to anything, you know, your hair colour, anything. Like, try not to compare yourself. So I just try. And I'm really lucky in that my family have always been really supportive of, of this, you know, because I know people who've struggled with their family, you know, because yeah. it's, you know, it's it's a bit of a mental career. But, like, I'm able to ring them up after an audition and be like, ah, that went really well. And then when I don't get it, I'm like, but I didn't get it. And they're like, it's all right, back on the ladder. There you yeah. go, you know. I... I is both. I can be, you know, philosophical about it, and I can be like critical. Yeah. I just, I, you know, it's it's how it's how it goes. I it's, think it's mad for me now being on the other side of that. Ca- I was going to say not yeah. casting couch, but the casting table, yeah, yeah. The desk. Yeah. Um. I know it was great because I got to read it. Yeah, the you remember exactly with you. Did, yeah. <laughs> and I got to um, see everyone sweat. But, but it's it's so weird because yeah, like you say, it can come down to the simplest kind of almost silly things yeah. at times. In terms of, you know, pairing people up against yeah. each other or, you know, just a certain dynamic that you're looking for. And there's plenty of people out there who'd be really, really good yeah. in that part in any other production of that show. Yeah. But it can be... It's- but then you also have to go, like, there's loads of jobs I've got yeah. that people didn't get. You know, that other people were going for. And, you know, there's that side of the coin as well. There's loads of people who went to drama school and never got an agent or never worked. They did exactly the same stuff and it just mm. didn't happen. So... Like I've been really lucky and I and I have to keep looking at that look at the friends I have look at the work I've done and like think about the potential jobs that are coming down the line you know because yeah. there is always going to be another job yeah. there is always going to be another one and um, like you see and then you see people getting breaks really suddenly at different ages from different things and you're going it's, it's all, there's always the potential for something magical to happen as you look back yeah are there things you're particularly proud of or happy about um, like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm proud of a lot, most of it, to be honest. Like, GPO was one of those moments that my mum came to me and she was like, this is one of our proudest moments. We'll never forget this. It's yeah. so special. She's like, nobody's going to get the chance to do this again. That was like goosebump territory. And your dad's ex-military too, isn't he? Yeah, my dad's ex-army so captain. Yeah. So is my granddad. Yeah, yeah. So, there's, I mean, yeah. the idea of you yeah. know, that show in that yeah. space. Yeah, Um That was really special. To be asked to be part of that, yeah. to me, was like, wow. Okay, thanks very much. You know, um, with the cast that was in it, with the time, everything. Um, yeah, and yeah, there's... There's loads of amazing. There's loads of amazing ones. Not just yeah. not just one, but yeah, that that's always going to be a special one. And obviously, getting to play your fiance in the Abbey. Well, I mean, that's a that's a real ambition <laughs> for most people. That's a bucket list. Um, <laughs> what excites you still about theatre? Theatre, 
I mean, I get excited by TV and film as well, you know. Yeah. Like, um, I've got a chance to do a bit of TV this year and it's totally different. Yeah. But it is really exciting as well. Um, it's just, there's just something in the air. Do you know, like, it's... Like, it's just this fairy dust or yeah. something that... Uh, that goes with it there like, is a thing of the magic of the movies isn't there like you yeah, can feel it on set yeah oh yeah you can feel it and like when you're in something you're like this is great mm. or it's the same with theatre when you're on and like you're buzzing off the audience and you're just like this like we're like one big thing vibrating just like yes it's like that rock star moment mm. um, but it's just yeah I don't know, I, don't know. It's, it's, I love it so finally then is there one element above all that you look for either when you're making a show or in a show or when you go and see a show? Is there one element that you go, this is giving me what I need from this show? Um, I think when you see a person or you know a performer on stage and you can see they're in it and they're loving it and the magic they're making and the buzz they're getting off it and that you have been invited into that into that realm it's just like come on in you're a part of this now I buzz off that and when I can do that with an audience mm. when I can be like alright lads jump on board here we go like I said that when I was making this show I want to like wreck the audience with me I want them to be like oh my god I'm exhausted I love that yeah yeah Wreck them, batter them. Where, where possible, <laughs> kick them into submission. Liz, it has been an absolute pleasure. You know oh, you're one of my favourites. And uh, now we've done the podcast and I feel good. Thank you. It's just, it's a real special time for me. How dare <laughs> Love you. Love you. <laughs> So there you have it, the great Liz Fitzgibbon. It's been wonderful to be back in our rehearsal room with her. She just brings so much to the table. She's such a talented artist, man. Uh, just uh, getting to work with her, seeing the way her mind works, uh, the script that she's generated for this show is just off the charts. It's so sophisticated, so classy. I really love working. It's quite rich. It's quite, you know, it's quite, it's quite muscular and textured. It's it's, it's a cracking script. If you didn't get a chance to see the show when it premiered as part of Show in a Bag last year, do go out of your way to catch it. We are at the Electric Picnic um, playing tomorrow, Saturday, as you listen to this. We've also got some more festivals uh, around Ireland coming up before the end of the summer proper. Uh, and we have plans for it again into 2019, so do keep an eye out for it. It's uh, I think it's a great show. And, you know, from the dude who made Fight Night to now be doing a show that features a female kickboxer and kind of showing a whole new twist on that genre, it's really satisfying for me to be there and particularly satisfying to be doing it with uh, a great pal and a great artist. So, look, that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of the theatrical goings-on around the country at the Abbey Theatre. Jimmy's Hall continues there. They also have Two Pints, directed by Katrina McLaughlin, off around the country as we speak. And then Frankenstein with Louis Lovett is about to finish up, so go and out of your way to go and try and catch that. The Gate, as we said, is completely sold out with their run of The Snapper, and Riverdance continues at the Gaiety Theatre. At the Board Gosh Energy Theatre, it is, of course, wicked. I think they're completely sold out there, too. It's doing incredible business, and why wouldn't it? It's the 
sixth longest running show in Broadway history at this stage. And I think it's grossed something like 4.5 billion worldwide. Uh, who says you can't make money in theatre? As we head down to Smock Alley, the Chakron is about to finish up there, which has been having an incredible run. Uh, also, that uh, production of Hero, starring Dahi McSivna, is there. And The Diary of Maynard Perdue. At the Viking Theatre, it's your last chance to catch My Real Life, starring the ever-brilliant Don Witcherly. And that'll be followed by Dirtbird's Self-Help Tour. Bewley's Has Roman Fever by Hugh Leonard, starring the great Karen Ardiff, a previous guest and a great pal of Liz. And at the Everyman in Cork, it's Frankie's Guys. As we head out west to the Town Hall, they have Ashling, uh, followed by that touring production of Hero. And also they'll have Jimmy's Hall coming down there on tour soon. And up north at the Lyric in Belfast, it is Good Vibrations. So look, that is us. That is episode 43 in the books. We will, of course, be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. But in the meantime, this has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus Og McAnally, I'm Angus Og McAnally. We'll see you next week. Bye.